0: Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. Happy Sunday, everyone. Welcome. We are finishing our work in Edwin Gaines' excellent book, The Four Spiritual Laws of Prosperity, this week. Today's subject is the law of divine purpose, and rather than talk, we will in a minute talk about her take on it, I wanted to share something with you that happened nearly my first week in ministerial school. So my first week of ministerial school, they give us a a homework assignment, and in this homework assignment was to write a little bit about each of over 100 spiritual principles. So we were supposed to write a little essay uh, having to do with, and they were listed out there, a hundred, more than a hundred spiritual principles. And of course, many of them, no problem. I know what the spiritual law of cause and effect is, you know, the law of mental equivalence, a lot of the things were right out of practitioner training and other things we've already learned. and. But I got to tell you, there were quite a few of them I had literally never heard of. And some of them, just from the title of it, I'm kind of going, really, that's a spiritual principle? And one of them that I thought was kind of mysterious, or that I at least knew I needed to find out more about, was the spiritual principle that God always richly supports its own works, And I thought to myself, God richly supports its own works. What does that mean? And I tried looking it up on the internet and tried looking at it in our course material and I wasn't finding anything. And so although I did my best, uh, basically I made something up. Um, Of course, next time I was in class, I was like, what is this one? You gotta tell me about this one. And the simple uh, version of it is that of course we believe that God is working through us. And so the idea that when God is doing God's work through us, there is always a blessing involved. There is always the support we need. There is always that ability to call upon the resources we need, the money that we need, the the help we need, whatever it is we might need to get God's work done will be supplied. And so that was the idea, and in fact, the instructor said it's a double blessing because God, of course, blesses its work being done, but God also blesses the person that's accomplishing that work. And so it's, it's like one of those double blessing things. And so that was my first exposure to the idea that living our divine purpose, if you will, also brings us the resources we need to carry through with those divine intentions. It isn't just that we have to struggle to do God's work. In fact, quite the reverse, we're blessed by it, we're Profited by it, even. And so that was the idea I think that Edwin Gaines had around putting this divine purpose law in a book on prosperity. It not only uplifts the planet, not only gives us purpose, but when we are literally doing what God would have us do in the world, we're actually prospered because of it. We're actually given all the resources and more that we would need to accomplish that work. Now, wading into the book, however, I had kind of a shocker and I'll I'll share with you how this chapter opens up and you might see in fact why I was a little disturbed You may have a sense that given the right circumstances, you could do much more than what you're doing today. All of the great and wise people who ever made a difference on planet Earth heard their soul's yearnings and chose a definite purpose for their lives. People such as Gandhi, Mother Teresa, and Nelson Mandela seem to have been driven by a self-defined purpose that they chose for themselves. Now we often think of such people with a sense of awe and respect as if somehow they were fundamentally different than us. Sometimes they hardly seem human. But the truth is that the only real difference between you and those people is that they had a defined purpose that they stood by. They embraced it with steadfast dedication and unshakable determination. You have that very same opportunity as well. Well, I gotta tell you, I felt challenged by that. I felt like how so I'm supposed to be Mother Teresa? Do you know what I mean? I, I mean I mean, gosh, she deserves to be sainted, but I guess I don't see myself that way. I don't see myself uh, being in prison for 20 years for a cause. I don't see myself giving up what I think of as a more common and and ordinary way of life in order to make that kind of a statement. And so I was a little disturbed here, like I'm not really ready for the martyr route, and I wouldn't really expect on Sunday to get up and recommend it. But you know, she saves the bacon. If you go on a little further in the chapter through that initial kind of rude awakening as to where we're going with this, she says really, to have that divine purpose, it only needs to have three elements. So breathe a sigh of relief because these are the three elements. The first one, it has to be something that you stand for. It needs to be something that you think matters. It needs to be something that if someone asked you about it, you would say, yes, I really believe in that. That's really important that I stand for it. The second thing she said is that you simply need to have the desire that you will leave the world better off than you started it using this purpose. Now that one is where I had the huge sigh of relief, right? It doesn't mean that I personally have to cure the world of poverty. It doesn't mean that I have to work on the streets of Calcutta making sure that every homeless person has a place to go. But what it does mean is that I do intend to make things better, that it is a goal that I have that people will be improve that the world will be uplifted by what my soul's purpose is what my divine purpose is now that doesn't mean it has to be a huge idea here but it does need to be an idea. It does need to be something that will bless humankind, even as I'm doing it. And then the third piece of it, and I love this, and this is pure Edwin Gaines, she says, it jolly well better be fun. <laughs> right? And I thought about that for a minute, and again I thought, well, is Mother Teresa really having fun? Did Nelson Mandela have fun? in standing for equality and freedom. And I thought, well, maybe fun isn't completely the word I would use, but I know that they felt accomplished. I know that they felt they had made a difference. I know there was something calling to them that gave them energy rather than took away from it. Do you know what I mean? Sometimes when we're helping other people as, as altruistic and as pure as our motives, when we're helping them, it feels like the energy is just being sucked out of us and we can only do it for so long. Well, there's your first clue that that's not <laughs> your spiritual purpose on the planet, right? Because when you are doing something that really is your divine purpose, I think it gives you energy. I think that it creates in you that willingness and that ability to do way more than you thought you could, not something that drags you back or that you hesitate, but rather something that's almost pulling you into it a little bit, something that has grabbed you because you know it's important, because you know the world will be benefited from it, and you also know that there's satisfaction to be had, perhaps even great joy and even fun through the process of doing that. So those are the three things. I suspect with that definition of a spiritual purpose, a divine purpose, if you will, probably all of us are ready for this. And I would like to lead us, if you're willing, in a short visioning for our divine purpose. So I invite you just to close your eyes for a moment, sit comfortably, and just know that God has that way of speaking through your intuition, that the universe can make known to you your true path, or at least a part of your path for being here on the planet. And so I'm going to ask a series of four questions and just allow ideas and mental pictures, uh, emotional senses, maybe words and thoughts pop into your head uh, through your intuition uh, to answer these questions. All right, the first one. What joyful activity might I do or direct to make a positive difference in the world? What joyful activity might I do or direct to make a positive difference in the world? We ask and we listen. What might I do to direct or make a positive difference in the world? And the second question, what must I become to embrace this divine purpose? Now there may be things that need to change in me so that I can really move forward in this idea. I might have to free up some time. I might need to go go back to school or learn something different. So what must I become to truly embrace this divine purpose? Is it to open my heart? Is it to create a safe space? What must I become to embrace this divine purpose? And next we ask, what must I release in order to commit to this divine purpose? You know, there may be doubts, there may be fears, there may be old ways of thinking or things that have hung you up or prevented you from doing this in the past. So we ask, what must I release in order to commit to this divine purpose? We ask and we listen. And then our last question, what additional information would the divine like to share about this issue at this time? So what additional information might the divine care to share with us about our purpose in this time? We ask and we listen. What more is to be revealed? And so we give thanks to this time of visioning. We give thanks for that still small voice within us, allowing us perhaps to see a a glimpse of a future yet to come, a dream fulfilled, a way of being in the world made manifest. We thank you. So I want to share my journey around my life's purpose just as kind of an example. Uh, I mean, when I first got into ministry, I had this idea that my purpose must have to do about wisdom, must have to do about teaching, because I so enjoyed teaching like the foundations class and some of the workshops here. I seemed to actually get energy by by creating workshops and I always felt on Sunday like the creativity around doing one of my Sunday talks was just, you know, impelling me forward creating more in- so so but i think i build it as education that somehow i was a teacher and you know what sometimes our ideas around what our divine purpose are change over time that's the other thing i wanted to mention some of you may have thought for many years that your particular gift was in the area of of love or education and and over time it may shift it may deepen it may clarify so one of the things i noticed about me was that no it wasn't so much what i was doing but it was what i was hoping to accomplish by what i was doing it wasn't that i enjoyed teaching although i do It was what I was teaching. And so I recently, about a year ago, uh, redefined my personal divine purpose is to transform the world by showing people their full freedom of choice. And so it's the idea of making sure, as best I can, everyone knows they're not a victim, that everyone on the planet has choices they can make to live a fulfilled and beautiful life. And it was like a, when I finally came upon that way of thinking about it, it was like, oh my gosh, it's so much more than just teaching. It's something that I get to do every day, not just on Sunday. It's that ability to point out to people that they have choices, that they make a difference, that they're not stuck, that they have a capability of moving through anything that comes their way, that even our emotions can be looked upon as something that we have choices around. That our, our very station in life is, is there to be changed and improved and be made better. That is my mission on the planet, and who knows? A year from now, two years from now, it may even have further definition or further clarity about it, but this leads me to the next thing that Edwin Gaines says is so important, and I'll illustrate it with a joke, on their 10th casual date a young woman asks her gentleman friend if he's ready to make a little bit more of a commitment oh i don't know he says uh um i'm a bit commitment phobic oh she says but aren't you leasing a car uh well yes it it is a a 5 year lease and don't you have a mortgage on your house oh well yes it's a 30 year mortgage uh i guess i have made that commitment, and I know you have a gym membership, she says. Well, it was cheaper to buy the lifetime package, she said, nodding slightly. So then, she said, you really don't have trouble with commitments, do you? The man looks really nervous and finally just blurts out, I'm sorry, I'm just not ready for marriage, I'm just not ready. She says, who said anything about marriage? I was just hoping we could go away for the weekend. (laughs) And so, the other element that's required here is making a commitment if our idea of our life's purpose is just in our head and it stays there as kind of a wishful hopeful, the universe is not gonna do backflips to help you with that. It requires a level of certainty on our part that this is what we're here to do and to at least begin by taking the first few steps in that direction. So you may already think in your head you have an idea. Well, I'd like to do something that will really uplift women in trouble or or children of a certain kind. I really have it in my heart to bring love into my family and into my neighborhood. Uh, you know, it's really my mission to do whatever. But I'm telling you, as long as it stays just in our heads with no particular plan to move out into the world, no real commitment to at least begin making it happen I think that God just says well I'm ready when she is (laughs) do you know what I mean I think God is just sitting there with the entire resources of the universe at the ready (laughs) but the readiness never manifests the 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 kind of plan the steps the the beginning the desire the the bigger picture of it because it's never there God doesn't know how and when to step in with the resources for it. You know, I'm reminded uh, of a story that uh, came out in my Foundations class when we were talking about this idea. And, uh, and someone brought up the idea of Tupperware. Are any of you old enough to remember Tupperware parties? All right, a few, a few I know, I know, I, I'm divulging more about myself than I should probably. But I had the honor of going through my mom's Tupperware when she passed on to get it ready to, you know, go to Goodwill and stuff. And I remember holding up some of the most amazing pieces of Tupperware. Tupperware that was made to hold half of a lemon (laughs) to keep it fresh. Tupperware that could only be used for uh, storing and serving deviled eggs. I remember one of them was a round piece and I'm opening it up and like, What is this for? And my friend who was helping me at the time go through mom's thing said, oh, it's for deviled eggs. See, you'd slice them in half and and stuff the eggs and they exactly fit into these 12 little things and you put the top on and you take them to the potluck and I'm like, who knew? (laughs) So why Tupperware? The thing about Tupperware was you could just look at it and know what needed to fill it up. And that is what God is waiting for in our lives. When we have the definition of what it is we wanna do, it's like holding out the Tupperware that can only be filled with a half a lemon. It's like holding out the deviled egg tray. What's gonna go in there? God looks down and goes, well, deviled eggs, duh. It's the only thing that'll fit in there. And so when you have a dream of what you want to do, it's just like preparing that piece that can only be filled, with what you need and what you want. When you have a vision of how you're going to bring love into the world, when you have a mental equivalent in your own mind of exactly what that would look like, that you know your neighbors and have a sense of your community and you're there to help people in need and you're willing to step forward and and care for other people. And when that is fleshed out in your head, God will simply look down and say, oh my gosh, this is an easy one. This is what needs to fit in there. Here is how she needs to be helped. This is the money that he needs to start off on that project. Here is the clearly identifiable resources that go with this thing. Of course she's going to get it. Do you see how we stop short of that so often? So often we just have a glimmer in our head of what we might want to do or how it might want to show up, but not clearly enough and not committed enough that the plans are there. And so my question for you, and this is your homework. You know I do the homework thing. So first of all, your homework is if you've never really thought of yourself as having a divine purpose, I would like you to think some more on that. I would like you to really think of maybe one or two words. It doesn't have to be more complicated than that. I'm not asking for you to stop all disease in Calcutta, right? We don't, You know, the Mother Teresa syndrome can come later, but, but how we need to start is just one or two simple words that might describe how you're going to uplift the world, just make it a little better than when you came into it, something that you stand for, And something that would bring you energy, satisfaction, and joy in the doing of it. Just a couple words. It could be just loving my family to my highest. That's a great place to start. It could be helping my neighborhood to feel more safe and more secure. That would be a a beautiful divine purpose to start off with. Could be something simple and profound as uh, bringing the world amazing music that lifts up their hearts and their minds, right? I would bet you Andy has something pretty much like that in mind. So my thought is pick something simple, something that you know will bring greater joy, greater love, greater peace, greater something into the world, doing God's work in the world something that you really stand for, something that would bring you energy, some fun, some satisfaction in doing it. So that's your homework. And now some of us already probably have already done some of this before. So the advanced study course for people who already have an idea of the difference they wanna make in the world, their divine purpose, my homework for you would be how's the plan going? How's the level of commitment? Because we need, of course, to get it out there. We need to define the Tupperware in such a way that, right, that the, oh, here's where the lemon goes, you know. Here's where the $1 million goes, right? Here's where the team of seven people to open the soup kitchen go, Right? It's that level of granularity in our plan that allows God to fulfill our most amazing dreams. But until we've defined them to some degree, God's just like, "Well, I'm waiting. When the plan comes, I'm ready. When the actions start taken, I'm ready." All right, I'm going to close today with the shortest review of our entire series. I know it's like Thornbird." summaries, but anyway, four <laughs> spiritual laws of prosperity. Week one, we talked about tithing, and the law of tithing simply says that as we give, we receive. And so if we want to see more material wealth, more, uh, more love, more joy in the world, that's what we need to give away. As we give it away graciously, it comes back to us multiplied. Week two we talked about goal setting. The idea that as we set goals that's one of the ways that we tell God what we want to do in the world. It's a clarity in our own heart that brings results. So the law of goal setting simply says as we set goals for ourselves, God helps us fulfill them. The third law was the law of forgiveness and simply it says that if we want to receive in this life we have to have an open heart. That if I'm holding resentments, if I'm holding unforgiveness in my heart, it's just like we've locked the door. And when we've locked the door, we may think we're protecting ourselves, but the reality of it is we're saying no to all the love, all the joy, and all the peace. So we forgive others, not to get them off the hook, but to free our own hearts that we might live to the fullest. And then finally, the loved uh, divine purpose today simply says that God will always richly support its own work in the world. So as you enact, as you step forward in your divine purpose, all the resources will come to you and you'll be twice blessed. You'll be blessed in the work and the work itself will be blessed uh, by being fully supplied. So I'm gonna close today with a final quote um, from... Uh, Edwin Gaines as she ends this book in a prayer. Jesus Christ said, you are the light of the world, and a city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but instead on a candlestick, and it giveth light to all in the house. Let your light shine, let it. You don't have to make it shine, You only have to allow it to shine, let it. You be that by being who you truly are. No acts, no pretenses, by being honest, telling the truth, forgiving yourself, setting your goals, tithing, acknowledging God as your source, and getting on with a purposeful life. A life of prosperity is about experiencing joy, achieving your greatest possibilities, and being all that the divine has brought you here to be. God bless you. You are the light of the world. Go forth and shine brightly. Let us pray. There is one source. There is but one thing. This thing is God. This thing is whole and abundant. This thing is at the ready with all of the resources in the universe because it is the universe. And blessedly, I know that's true. I know that God is in my life and that I am also in God's life. That as I do my work to bring about greater joy, greater peace, greater love, it is my purpose to do so. And as it is true for me, I know it can be true for each person in this room. Each person has that capability of living on purpose, of bringing forward from their own heart that ability to do more in the world than just get by, to do something significantly wonderful and powerful. And so I uplift us all on this day. I set us all up for that most rare blessing, that blessing of doing our divine purpose. And for this, for this, I am grateful. I let it be. And together we say, and so it is. Thank you so much for being here today. So glad you were here. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and to make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts,